This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about E-Series, BGFS, and the new CSI driver to automate your parallel file systems. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and with me today I have a couple of special guests to talk to us about uh, E-Series and specifically BGFS, which is a part of what E-Series can support. So before we get into that, let's uh, introduce them. So Eric Weber is here. Eric, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Yeah, so my name is Eric Weber. I've been at NetApp for about four years now. I work at the uh, E-Series group as a solution software engineer. So my focus is uh, typically on HPC and AI, although recently I've really had a bent towards uh, Kubernetes and container orchestration. Uh, and you can reach me at eric.weber2, the number two, at uh, netapp.com. All right, excellent. Also with us today, Joe McCormick is here. Joe, what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? Yeah, I'm a, also a software engineer with our solutions engineering team. I'm, I'm also the tech lead for all things VGFS at NetApp, and I'm kind of filling the role of a product owner for the VGFS CSI driver um, that we're hoping to talk about a little bit today. And yeah, reach me at joe.mccormick at netapp.com or at McCormick on Twitter. All right, excellent. So like I said, we're going to talk about E-Series and, and specifically BGFS. Uh, but you know, before we get into the BGFS aspect of it, if people aren't aware of what E-Series is, uh, Eric, what is E-Series here at NetApp? So uh, I guess I want the takeaway for E-Series to be that it's simple, fast, and reliable sand storage. We uh, create net, uh, block storage arrays, and we've been doing it for a really long time. We're really good at it. Uh, so we, we create really highly available, highly reliable storage arrays, and we really emphasize, I guess, price per performance over a lot of the rich data management features that you might see in something more like ONTAP. Uh, I won't go into too many details. I'm probably not the right guy to do that, but uh, our kind of flagship array today is the F600. You know, it can do sub 100 microsecond latency, 2 million IOPS, 44 gigabytes per second of sustained throughput in this 2U package, which we're really proud of. But uh, we have a number of other arrays that some of them are end-to-end uh, -end all flash arrays like the F600, some aren't, some are hybrid arrays, uh, and they really can fit kind of any budget or uh, any performance needs that you have. But but we target a couple of different workloads. We target big data analytics. Uh, and then the reason that Joe and I are here to talk is that we also target uh, HPC, high performance computing uh, and AI. And E-Series really underneath a parallel file system is uh, kind of a perfect uh, fit for that use case. And so you'll find us in a lot of kind of the top supercomputers, that kind of parallel file system on top of E-Series architecture. So as far as E-Series goes, I remember Glenn Sizemore used to be on the podcast here with us, and he used to compare it to, a, you know, he'd call it a, the drag racer versus like a Ferrari, <laughs> right? So, I mean, like, it's it's just built to, like, fly, but, you know, you're not going to be able to, like, take high-precision turns around corners and that sort of thing, so, <laughs> right? So, but that's what it's built for, and that's what people want it for, and that's kind of the description that I've always thought of when I hear E-Series. E 
Yeah, I've actually never heard that one before, but but I really like it. And that really does fit with us, right? We we want that high performance at an affordable price. And we really try to make it as well kind of a, a set it and forget it type of situation. So you set it up once, you get it working, and then it just performs for you for the life of the product. No power windows or car playing that thing, man. <laughs> All right, so um, you know you you mentioned parallel file systems. So can you go into a little bit more detail about what those are and what sort of workloads are best suited for that, and what sort of workloads aren't necessarily a good fit for parallel file systems? Yeah, so really the big thing with parallel file systems is is the ability to access you know a single file in parallel from you know hundreds, maybe even thousands of of compute or or now more commonly GPU nodes, other file systems are not designed for that type of use case. And parallel file systems then find themselves being positioned pretty well into supercomputers, other distributed computing environments where there is a requirement to, to do exactly that. So what, what specifically about the parallel file system lends itself to being able to, to handle a lot of clients hitting a single file versus something like an HA pair and ONTAP and a FlexVol? So with Parallel file systems, they divide data into metadata and storage. And, and your metadata nodes are responsible for coordinating the placement of the chunks that make up each file and also you know, storing typical file attributes, that sort of thing. So the idea then is that you can take a single file and write a piece of that file to one or more storage nodes so that you don't ever have a single bottleneck to reading or writing to that file. So this is basically like a file striping. So you, if you had like a 10 node cluster, you could have that pieces of that file across any of those 10 nodes. And then there's a coordinated effort to direct the correct you know locations of those files, depending on who's accessing it, right? Exactly. So the, kind of the, the way it works at a high level is if a client wants to go read you know, a particular file, it goes, it talks to a metadata server, it figures out, okay, where's the chunks for this file located? And then it goes and talks directly to those storage servers and, and streams the file contents directly from them. So, so how does a parallel file system protect against, you know, data not being accessible? Like, so if, you, if I've got an entire file and maybe a node is not available, that means part of that file is not available for that node. So how do, how do we protect against that? Like, what's the, the technology behind that to allow that file to still be accessible? So it does depend a little bit on the parallel file system. If we're talking about VGFS specifically, um, oh, but we are. one of the bi- <laughs> yes, <laughs> one of the big reasons uh, to use it with like a NetApp series storage system is the fact that that system can provide RAID capabilities. So it provides data durability, high availability for the for your BGFS data. And then the BGFS services themselves can be set up to fail over in you know, typical Linux pacemaker cluster style. And so that way you end up with a system that is highly available. So yeah, services fail over thanks to pacemaker and data is protected thanks to E-Series is the architecture that we recommend. So in, in those cases, in some, in some scenarios I've seen, the data actually kind of gets replicated, you know, so that we have multiple copies of it in, in you know, specific locations. So if we lose a piece of that file, it's available elsewhere and we can just fail over to that one. Is that kind of what BGFS does to protect against a loss of a node? Or how does it, how does it redirect the, you know, the file piece that's lost when a node is down? So when a node is down in BGFS, well, I should back up maybe a little. There's kind of two strategies. BGFS does have something known as buddy mirroring, which allows you to mirror contents 
of like metadata and storage between two different nodes in the file system. However, the the side effect, of course, is then you have to have double you know the number of disks behind that. So kind of the recommended setup we we suggest customers go with is to actually set up the, a failover cluster where a single VGFS service could fail over and run on one or more nodes in a cluster. And then all those nodes in the cluster all have access to a single E-series storage system. And then that E-series storage system is also highly available, dual controllers, six nines are liability, so that no single piece of the setup is, you know, can bring you down. Yeah, and a shameless plug, we actually, as an organization, provide Ansible automation that makes that particular setup on top of E-Series really easy to do. So it really is our kind of recommended way of making the BGFS file system reliable, um, and, and we make it easy. So how many nodes can we throw at an E-Series cluster? Like, what's the limit there? If we're talking about number of, like, BGFS storage nodes per an E-Series storage system, it's generally one to two. But if you're talking about total number of storage nodes, we kind of describe them as building blocks, right? So you've got you know, one or two servers attached to an E-series storage system. That's a building block. It could be dedicated for BGFS storage, BGFS metadata, or kind of a combination of the two, a hybrid building block. And then if you want to grow your BGFS file system, you just stack as many of those building blocks together as you need to, to hit the kind of scale you're looking for. And these are all accessible through block storage, right? So, so iSCSI or FCP, not so much like a, a protocol like S3 or NFS. So on the back end, the BGFS storage and metadata nodes, we'll talk to the E-series storage over, yeah, could be SAN or NVMe over Fabrics. Um, we typically see NVMe over IB in that setup. But then on the front end, the BGFS clients, um, your computer, your GPU nodes, will talk to the BGFS storage and metadata nodes. Um, kind of, it's they're generally going to use RDMA or TCP. It's uh, you could say proprietary BGFS protocol. But from the user's perspective, what you do is you install a BGFS client package. It's a Linux kernel module, and that just lets you mount BGFS like any other POSIX file system. It just looks like another mount point in Linux. Yeah, and my understanding there's also uh, availability with things like you know, NFS gateways, like you can actually do an NFS attach to these particular uh, devices. Is that something that you can do, or, is, or am I off base with that? Yeah, so you can actually set up um, one or more clients as kind of an NFS or even an SMB gateway server, and then other clients could talk over those protocols. Uh, you could actually do the same thing with S3, too. Do, do you see anyone doing that with SMB? I can't imagine that would be very <laughs> I can't say that I've seen anybody do it with SMB, but I do know that their docs describe how to do it, and it's certainly possible. No, I'm not trying to like diss SMB or anything. It's just it's like it's like this Frankenstein of SMB on a Linux server on you know attaching as a gateway to a block storage. That just sounds like a, a nightmare to manage. Right. That, that type of re-export is certainly possible, and, and we see that being useful for some access to the file system, for moving data onto the file system. But you really get the, the high-performance nature of the BGFS file system is best used with the BGFS client kind of directly as opposed to that re-export. Right. And yeah, that, usually that, you, have to, you have to retrofit things if you do that re-export because the, the application is traditionally used in NAS protocol or an S3 protocol, and you don't want to re-architect it. Right. So as far as BGFS goes, can you give me a little more detail about what that is and you know how long it's been around and why we chose to use that as a, as a qualifying parallel file system? Sure. So 
BGFS has actually been around since I think 2005. It was originally known as FGFS. And it was started at the Fraunhofer Center for High Performance Computing. It's kind of their in-house you know, replacement for their in-house file system. Um, as it kind of gained some popularity, they ended up uh, spinning off a separate company, ThinkPark, uh, around 2014. And they kind of took over handling the sales and support side of BGFS. And that's actually when it was renamed from FHGFS to BGFS. Uh, that's kind of part of making it uh, more widely available. But yeah, it's a... Parallel file system was developed by a, a center for high performance computing for high performance computing users. So it takes it has a lot of expertise behind it, and that really shows. How does it differ from something like Gluster? Because I, I feel like that the G in there stands for Gluster, but it it probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you know some of the other parallel file systems on um, like Lustre are kind of known for being a little bit of a pain to to get up and running and then a pain to manage and optimize and, and try to make things go smoothly. So BGFS was designed to make parallel file systems approachable, make them easy to use, very very simple uh, without sacrificing on any of the performance that makes them so great for their you know traditional workloads. That's that's really I would say BGFS's calling card is is that simplicity and ease of use and as you know, these kind of HPC workloads are are becoming more prolific with you know the advent of things like AI. Having a really easy to use parallel file system is very beneficial for you know customers that may not be coming from an HPC background and want to deal with the complexities of a parallel file system, but kind of need one. So that's that's where BGFS really can shine. So my understanding is that we have. CSI drivers for E-series. Do we have one for BGFS? And you know, what is a CSI driver? You know, can you kind of give me an, a high level what that is? Yeah. So if you're not familiar, CSI stands for Container Storage Interface, and it's a specification that uh, a storage provider like NetApp can use to build a driver or a plugin that a container orchestrator like Kubernetes. Uh, can use to provision storage, but then to mount storage to, to nodes and into containers on those nodes. And, uh, you know, we see a, a lot of benefit for HPC and AI applications moving into kind of a containerized approach to deployment. Uh, and obviously, Joe has mentioned a number of reasons why we think BGFS on top of E-Series is um, really useful to solve some of the storage-related problems that those applications have. But if if you can't use them in Kubernetes, if you can't orchestrate containers that are running those applications uh, and connect them up to BGFS storage, then uh, you really can't do a lot of the things that, that we're talking about. And so uh, we did go ahead and develop a BGFS CSI driver. It's an open source project and BGFS itself is an open source project. But uh, the goal was to kind of build this building block to enable Kubernetes-related workflows with BGFS. And, and well, we, we are releasing it to the community and we're hoping to engender support from the community. It's not altogether altruistic, right? We think that uh, uh, BGFS on top of E-Series is a great solution and we want to enable that solution in a Kubernetes environment. So how exactly does that CSI driver work with BGFS? Yeah, so when you're talking CSI, uh, it's important to, to kind of mention the word volume and describe what volume means. And the CSI specification of volume is some kind of piece of storage, but CSI can support all different types of storage. So for example, um, you know, NetApp has the Trident CSI driver that can provision and mount 
uh, on tap storage grid and e-series storage directly into containers. And, and so if you're using like an e-series array with the Trident driver, then what you're getting uh, in terms of a volume is an actual e-series LUN mounted into a container for the use specifically by that container. But when we're talking about BGFS and the BGFS CSI driver, what we're talking about in terms of a volume is a directory on a pre-existing BGFS file system. So the assumption is you've got a BGFS file system or many running in your environment, um, and you want access to a specific directory on that file system. Uh, in Kubernetes, you know, you would if you want if you have a stateful application and you want to mount some storage into that stateful application, you create this persistent volume claim, which kind of describes this is how much storage I need and basically where to get it from. And then low level as an administrator, you can create this persistent volume, which is a Kubernetes API object like the persistent volume claim that, that very specifically describes storage. So for BGFS, we say this BGFS file system, this directory on the BGFS file system. And it's Kubernetes' job to make sure the claim gets bound to the persistent volume, but then it's the BGFS CSI driver's job, which is running on every single node to actually mount a BGFS file system to that particular node and mount that directory uh, into the pod. So we've got this kind of dynamic provision, or excuse me, the static provisioning workflow is what I'm talking about here. The static provisioning workflow might be, hey, I've got a bunch of data sets in my BGFS file system, and I want some Kubernetes deployments to be able to make use of them. So I'll create a persistent volume that references those data sets and a persistent volume claim can reference those data sets as well through the persistent volume and, and mount them into you know, any number of pods. So you can have this really um, large deployment of say GPU enabled pods that are all running against that data set. But we also have this dynamic provisioning workflow. And the idea there is that you'd create a persistent volume claim that says, I need some BGFS storage. And then an administrator would create this other Kubernetes object called a storage class um, that would kind of facilitate the dynamic provisioning of storage. So our driver would say, okay, I know which BGFS file system I'm supposed to use. And the administrators provided me with this kind of directory base paths where I'm going to create directories. And now I'll create a brand new directory. I'll mount that brand new directory to this deployment of pods. And now what the deployment has is a kind of super highly scalable, highly performant scratch space. And it lives you know, for the life of that pod, but actually can live outside the life of the pod. So if you've got a data pipeline in Kubernetes, if maybe you're going to clean some data with one deployment of pods, and then later you're going to train with another deployment of pods, uh, you know, the, the directory and the persistent volume that are all provisioned by the driver can live for as long as it needs to live. So you can do all of those things. And then eventually uh, you can go ahead and delete the persistent volume, which ends up cleaning up the directory. Really the goal, I mean, that's a long explanation and a long answer to your question, but the goal is uh, let's let people who know how to use Kubernetes and know how to use the Kubernetes storage API use BGFS without having them having to worry too much about really the specifics of how to use BGFS. So does this CSI driver tie into existing things that NetApp already does, like like Trident or any of the other uh, you know automation suites that we use, or is it something that's specific to uh, the E-Series and BGFS? So I'll answer that in a couple of different ways, and maybe I'll ask Joe to, to chime in here too. The first thing I'll say is that it's not directly tied into Trident. It's, it's adjacent to Trident. Trident is a 
a CSI driver that enables direct access to E-Series and to ONTAP in a storage grid. And this driver enables BGFS. It doesn't specifically require NetApp actually in any way. We think that NetApp E-Series is the best way, the best thing to be underneath your BGFS file system, but you could use this driver with um, you know, any BGFS file system running on top of, of any storage. Um, but we see it as a kind of a, a piece of the NetApp portfolio, right? So uh, we've got Trident that can provision for your Kubernetes cluster, um, these ONTAP volumes or E-series volumes or storage grid. Uh, but if you need that parallel file system component, if your use case requires it, then we also have the ability to provision a BGFS parallel file system volume into your pods. And we have built up a couple of integrations with existing kind of NetApp technologies. Joe, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the data science toolkit, for example. I'd say that Kubernetes, you kind of see that as a common meeting place for a lot of different kind of workloads. And you know, so the idea is let's bring all the, the storage options to Kubernetes. And yeah, that's, we've got this data science toolkit that makes it really easy to perform a number of storage related operations. And uh, one of those is deploying JupyterLab workspaces into Kubernetes. And one of the things you can now do, thanks to the CSI driver, is use BGFS to back those workspaces. So you could use ONTAP, you could use BGFS, any of the NetApp storage options are all you know, available there in Kubernetes. So what's the release cadence for the driver with BGFS? Yeah, so our, our 1.0 release shipped uh, back in February, um, and then we just shipped uh, 1.1 um, about a week ago. So we're, we're hoping to stick to roughly three-month cadence quarterly, but uh, that might change a little bit depending on how much we want to get in each release. Yeah, and I will say we have we have a lot of kind of features that we want to put in the driver. And that's one reason to keep a release cadence up. But if you're kind of paying attention to the Kubernetes ecosystem, you'll see that Kubernetes itself releases really, really, really frequently. So it makes sense for us to try to keep up with Kubernetes, to do some currency, make sure that our driver continues to work with the latest version of Kubernetes and maybe even takes advantage of the features in the latest version of Kubernetes. So I, I see, at least for the time being, us kind of keeping that cadence up as much as we can. So what sort of specific uh, features for BGFS does this driver enable? Like why would we need a specific driver for that particular fi parallel file system? Yeah, so I mean, in general, uh, what we set out to do and what we did in the initial release was just make it possible to consume BGFS from a Kubernetes node or really from any container orchestrated container. Um, and you could kind of do that before the driver in kind of a haphazard way, but this really makes it clear how to make that work. Uh, but we have a lot of additional features that we support as well. Um, actually, one of the biggest things uh, that maybe is not obvious when you first go to the GitHub page and look at the driver, but that we had to do a lot of work for is that BGFS is really highly configurable. So we tout it as kind of this really easy thing to get up and, and get working with, and it is, but BGFS allows an administrator to tweak almost every aspect of how it runs. And sometimes those tweaks can be really important for uh, particular workloads. And we didn't want to tell a BGFS administrator, hey, this is great. Now you can use this in Kubernetes, but we're taking away your ability to do all of the things that you already want to do with BGFS. And so we actually have a 
a Kubernetes native way of deploying the driver so that you can also configure every single setting that would be in the, you know, the BGFS client configuration files so that we mount your BGFS file systems exactly the way that you want if you have a specific way you want to mount it. But uh, BGFS also has a couple of concepts that are really important uh, and, and things that we wanted to, to manage. Uh, storage classes is one and Stripe patterns is another. So the idea of, uh, excuse, I said storage classes, I guess I mean storage pools. So a BGFS storage pool, the concept is that, you know, you have a lot of different storage targets in your BGFS file system. Some of them might be high performance NVMe SSDs, and some of them might be backed by, say, spinning disks. And, you know, you want some workloads on the high performance stuff and some workloads on the, the lower performing stuff. Well, in BGFS, you can assign the higher performing targets to one storage pool, the lower performing targets to another. And then as an administrator, you can say, well, this directory or these files, stripe them across these targets. And, and this directory, or these files, stripe them over here. Uh, we've actually enabled it so that the storage class that you create in Kubernetes can specify one storage pool or the other. And we've done the same thing with Stripe patterns. So in BGFS, you can say, well, these files are this directory, let's stripe them across 10 targets. Or these files, let's stripe them across two targets or one target. And you can also control the chunk size. So uh, as you're striping, how much of the file gets on each target before you move to the next target. All of those things are configurable in BGFS and, and we put them all in the storage class as well. So you know, the, the kind of the benefit is that an administrator, someone who knows BGFS can set up all these storage classes the way that they want. And then they can just tell Kubernetes users, hey, you know, for a particular workload, use this storage class. For a different workload, use this storage class. They can describe it however they want. But the user doesn't have to understand kind of the underlying BGFS best, excuse me, BGFS aspects of, of how that's all working. With the goal is to take a really easy to use parallel file system and BGFS and make it really, really easy to use in Kubernetes from people that, you know, for people that may not be used to using parallel file systems. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and we have a, there's a, maybe one more feature I want to discuss as well, which is something that we put in for the 1.1.0 release, but we're talking about a, a shared single namespace parallel file system. And maybe it's not even only uh, exclusively for Kubernetes use. Maybe there are other applications and other clusters that are using that same file system. So kind of uh, how we as a provisioner create directories on the file system, specifically how we manage uh, ownership and permissions of those directories is important. And so in our latest release, we've allowed administrators to specify in storage classes as well, the ownership and permissions of the directories that we'll create. And we've also in doing that enabled uh, Kubernetes deployments of our driver to make use of BGFS quota tracking and quota enforcement, which are uh, really important for some administrators in order to make sure that a single user or group can't kind of unfairly use more resources of the file system than they should be able to. So I would imagine that this all was spawned by either a single customer request, like a large customer or multiple customer requests. Um, I won't necessarily ask you for details about who those customers were, but you know, was this spawned out of customer request? And if so, what's the use case here? Like, what? Why are people asking for this? So I'd say this was really spawned by kind of seeing a gap in in the market for a, a BGFS CSI driver. Most other parallel file systems have CSI drivers, and, and it was something that we felt was really necessary to take BGFS into new uh, environments where it would be a really good fit. So this was kind of us trying to get ahead of the demand, if you will, and 
building something that we knew could en- enable BGFS for, for more use cases. Okay, so you're doing this as a proactive approach as opposed to the normal reactive. <laughs> <laughs> that was our goal, yeah. That, that makes us sound really good. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, not, not just you. I mean, this I see this across the board. No matter, you know, it's like, oh, I didn't think of that specific use case. Maybe we should address that. So um, in that said, I mean, who is going to be using this? How is it going to be used? And, you know, are you already seeing adoption of it? So... We see a, a wide range of, of use cases. Um, it, it's worth noting that CSI is a container orchestrator agnostic in that it's not simply tied to Kubernetes. So any container orchestrator that supports CSI could use our, our driver, could then use VGFS. And we're actually, it's one of our upcoming plans is to do a little bit more testing to understand how we can integrate VGFS with other container orchestrators. Um, but you asked specifically, okay, you know, what kind of use cases? AI in particular is one where we see BGFS being a really good fit. And most AI workloads are landing in Kubernetes because that's where a lot of the MLOps platforms that support these kind of data pipelines that you need to, to do AI in production are really being built. So now you can take BGFS and use it alongside any of the other NetApp you know, storage portfolio options and create complex data pipelines using tools like Kubeflow or Airflow and choose the, the storage that best fits each step of that pipeline. Walk me a little bit through this work and what an AI ML workload would do with this particular CSI driver. Like, can, can you give me like a real world application? Sure. So, you know, one common example that, that we see is you might need to pull data from like an object store, like storage grid. You then need to pull that kind of raw data collected from your edge sources into some faster, maybe ephemeral space in order to transform it, clean it up, make it ready to actually train um, using whatever techniques you're wanting to apply. Uh, so you could do that data transformation in something like BGFS, and then you could take the this clean data set store in an ONTAP volume and then train your model from there. And then ONTAP allows you to take these, you know, highly space efficient snapshots to do version control of your model and data set so that if you ever needed to roll back to a previous version, you could, and then rinse and repeat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so basically it, it, you know, it can tie into the automation piece to kind of take the storage administrators out of the loops. So they don't have to keep provisioning and deprovisioning and that sort of thing. Yeah. The idea with a, you know, you, you set up a storage class once and then your users can request different, you know, types of storage, depending on what they need for that given job. So BGFS to your users just shows up as, you know, that parallel file system that, that I can use for scratch space or, or wherever you want to fit it into your pipeline. So what do you see coming down the pipe for, you know, the roadmap? Like what sort of new features are you aiming for in the in future releases? So I touched on, you know, we're looking at uh, integration with other container orchestrators and doing some testing validation. Um, that's maybe not so much as a feature as, as much as kind of what, where we want to see our driver used, but uh, we're also looking at features like uh, a Kubernetes operator to manage the life cycle of the driver. Um, another aspect that we're looking at along with that is uh, today we have a prerequisite. You have to go install the BGS client on each of the Kubernetes or container orchestrator nodes. And we'd like to do that for you. So you, you know, literally don't have to do anything to get Kubernetes ready for BGFS. And that would also allow us to you know, 
manage the life cycle of that client and make sure it's running compatible versions for our driver, you know, other complex things like that. So yeah, an operator is on the short list of things we want to do in the near future. Another idea that we're, you know, is a little bit farther out is actually running BGFS, BGFS itself in Kubernetes, making it Kubernetes native. And the idea is today our driver, you know, what a persistent volume in Kubernetes is a directory in BGFS. What if tomorrow it could be an entire BGFS file system that you created on demand in Kubernetes? And then we could back that with, you know, NetApp volumes revision by Trident, for example. Okay. So basically having it, you know, end to end create everything. Right. Yeah. One stop shop if you want for if you want BGFS. Can't imagine anyone would want that. <laughs> <laughs> so um if I'm you know looking for more information about the driver or anything else about BGFS, do you have anywhere that you would send people? Yeah, so just starting with, for the driver, check out our GitHub repository. I'm hopefully put the link in the show notes. Um if you're interested in BGFS in general, if you um search uh, introduction the BGFS on Google. Um, I've got a blog post right there at the top, uh, and uh, pretty much Google BGFS and Kubernetes, and, and you'll get a, a number of posts that we've written that talk about the driver and you know why we made it, where we see it being used, and go to a little more detail about what we talked about today. All right, excellent. So again, Eric, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? Yeah. So again, Eric.Weber2, the number two at uh, netapp.com, or um, I also am on the DL, the ng-bgfs-csi-driver at netapp.com. So uh, feel free to reach out there to, to reach me and, and other members of the team. And Joe. Joe.McCormick at netapp.com or on Twitter at, at I am Joe McCormick. All right. And I'm on the same DL. Oh, cool. Good. You, can, you guys can answer in, in parallel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're all about parallelization here. So that, BGFS that works. BGFS DL. <laughs> All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Eric Weber and Joe McCormick for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.